Hello, Bulls Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and we are just days away from the 2020 NBA Draft. Yes, the NBA Draft a week before Thanksgiving. It sounds weird, but we're in strange times right now. And it's really uncertain times if you're a Bulls fan because you are not sure what the new front office of Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley are going to do at number four. Are they going to trade up? Are they going to trade down? Are they going to stand pat? Are they going to use it as bait to acquire a veteran? We don't know. Now, we're recording this episode here on Monday, November 16th. And the reason I'm bringing that up is just in case some things happen in the next, oh, 24 to 48 hours that could change the dynamics of this draft. So just want to put that qualifier out there as we're talking about some of the prospects tonight. And joining us to break down some of the names that could be available for the Bulls, breaking down also some other things that could happen in in this year's draft. We have Michael Walton from Bulls Confidential joining us. Now, if you follow Michael Walton on Twitter, he's at ZenMasterMike, you know that there isn't anybody probably else in Bulls Nation that does their homework like Michael Walton. Uh, He is the unofficial draft guru of Bulls Nation and definitely the person I wanted to talk to to give us some insight into the college and international prospects that could be available for the Bulls and, you know, just talk about how the draft could shake out in general. This is a very odd draft because it's it's not star-studded. You know, there's a lot of hype around LaMelo Ball, but everybody else is kind of lumped into the same category. We're really not sure what the floor or ceiling is for a lot of these guys. So it's really an intriguing draft, and I wouldn't want to talk to anybody else other than other than Michael right now. So let's bring him in. Michael, welcome back. And you have to impart some of your wisdom on us today because you know I am I am inept at talking about the draft. So I'm going to need to lean on you a lot tonight. Are you cool with that? <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, we are so close. I'm very excited. I haven't been this excited for a Bulls draft since the year that Derrick Rose was a given at number one. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. No, this is easily one of the most exciting off seasons, you know, for the Bulls in a long time. And it's kind of weird saying that because, like, we're a week away from Thanksgiving and we're talking about <laughs> yeah, the NBA exactly. off season. You know, there's no lockout either. It's just strange times, you know? That's just where we are right now. <laughs> That's just 2020 in a nutshell. Um, but before, <laughs> before we get to the Bulls, I actually first want to talk about the top three in this draft. So a lot mm. of mocks and experts think LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, those those guys could go in the top three. But what players do you think will go one, two, and three on Wednesday night? So uh, that's obviously the, the toughest thing sort of to predict in the draft and a great place to start. And I did want to say again, Matt, I know you sort of said this already, but thanks again for having me on. It's always a blast to, to be on the pod. Um, but basically within that top three, uh, it it breaks my heart to say it because first and foremost, I want LaMelo Ball to be available at number four um, for the Bulls to select him. I think the Bulls need a point guard. I think LaMelo is the highest upside player in the draft, even if he could potentially be a bust. So basically one way or another, I see LaMelo Ball going number one uh, in this draft class. And whether that be the Timberwolves just take him so he can you know be part of their backcourt with D'Angelo Russell and figure it out later or rather they take him to trade him later or if they trade the pick to someone else to get number one um no matter what I think LaMelo Ball is going number one in the draft 
Um, after that, it's about if the Warriors stay in or not. Um, so predicting Minnesota or someone to take LaMelo number one, I think if Golden State stays at number two, um, there is no doubt in my mind that they take James Wiseman. Uh, there's been plenty of you know articles or smoke screens or whatever you want to call it uh, connecting the Warriors to everyone from Denny Avisia to Obi Toppin. Um, I think I may have even seen something connecting them loosely to Anthony Edwards. But basically, the Warriors are in win-now mode. And James Wiseman, while he may be extremely raw and a player I'm not very high on, um, he's clearly a high potential big at seven foot one who's going to be able to be a defensive presence, even if the offense never comes along. So I think you're going to have LaMelo and Wiseman no matter what in that top three. Um, the wild card of the draft, Matt, that really, in my opinion, dictates where the rest of this NBA draft is going, it's going to be Charlotte at number three. Um, I think we know Minnesota's going to take a guard, whether it be LaMelo or Anthony Edwards. And I think, like I said, if, if Golden State stays, stays at two, we know they'll take uh, Wiseman or maybe they do reach for a Denny Avisia, but I just think they take Wiseman. At three, Charlotte has a lot of different needs, so I'm not really sure where they go. And that's obviously most important for Bulls fans to know what is Charlotte thinking. Um, I've seen them linked to maybe the widest range of prospects of any team in this draft. I've seen USC big Onyeka Okungwu, who I absolutely love uh, and think he's better than James Wiseman. I've seen him connected to the Hornets at three. Um, I've seen Obi Toppin uh, connected to the Hornets. And I think Michael Jordan, it feels like his fingerprints are always somewhat on Charlotte's draft plans. So I do see them taking a big to try to pair with P.J. Washington. Um, because while P.J. is good at defense, he's more of a stretch four. I'm not really sure if taking Obi Toppin at three would be smart for Charlotte. So it's really tough to answer there. But I think LaMelo and Wiseman are going top two no matter what. Um, my heart wants to tell me that, you know, Charlotte will take a big, which would leave players like Anthony Edwards available to Chicago at four. And while I think he's not really a great fit, um, I think there's no doubt in my mind you can't pass up Edwards if he was there at four. So it's really tough to predict just because, again, there's going to be so much trade movement likely. Um, and if teams stay put, I don't think teams will mind reaching this year. Because like I said, if Golden State loves Denny Avisia and they can't find a good trade down, you know, they don't really lose much by taking him at two because they're the Golden State Warriors. And no rookie is obviously going to make or break their draft plans. So um, if, if just I know I'm jumping ahead here, but if I'm the Bulls, I'm trying to get up uh, to that to that number two spot, because I think at that yeah. point. You know, if LaMelo's not there, then you can trade back down or do something. But I think you just want to try to get yourself a little bit further up. But my top three, I think it's going to go LaMelo, uh, James Wiseman. And then after that, uh, I guess I would have to say, I think it's going to, you know what? I'm going to go with my gut. I actually think the Charlotte Hornets would take Obi Toppin at number three. So wow. right now I'm, I'm feeling LaMelo, Wiseman, Obi. And then I could see the Bulls trying to decide, do they go with Denny, a player they've, you know, scouted heavily or Anthony Edwards, a player who they've obviously scouted, but I don't think the Bulls are planning for him to be there at four. Yeah. So that, that makes things interesting because if that's the case and Obi Toppin's taken number three, now with Anthony Edwards dropping, you mentioned it there. Like it's not necessarily a fit in terms of need, but it is probably one of the better, you know, skill players that would be on the board at number four. And if you're a team like the Bulls, you you want to amass assets and talent. So is that who you're taking if if you were Karnaschovas and Eversley at number four? Would you be taking Anthony Edwards? 
Um, so basically, if the draft plays out uh, how I just sort of laid it out there, um, I would take Anthony Edwards at number four, and I wouldn't think too long about it just because uh, the first thing we sort of talked about there is you're taking Anthony Edwards first because he's a high-value asset, um, you know, as a, as a rookie, an explosive player. Uh, I think the Bulls would be able to move him very easily if they decided they didn't want him, uh, you know, long-term to fit with the team. So I think you take him right there just because of the value. Uh, but I do love Anthony Edwards as a player. And on my personal draft board, um, I did have him as, I believe, number two uh, on my board right behind LaMelo's, LaMelo Bald and Anthony Edwards. And so just some things about Anthony Edwards. He didn't shoot the three-point shot very well. Um, I believe he shot a little under 30%, like 29 and a half, because he had a terrible shot selection at Georgia. Uh, his team was not very talented overall. So really, they were just relying on him night in, night out to chuck up a bunch of shots, um, which, as you can imagine, didn't really help his efficiency that much. Um, that being said, I always like to look at, you know, obviously a few key areas for players. But more so when it's a player like Anthony Edwards, I liken him to Ben Simmons. If people remember when Ben Simmons was at LSU, uh, the LSU team was not very good. But you could look at Ben Simmons stat line and sort of project what he would be. And he seemed like maybe he was a lazy defender. But really, it was just he was playing with, you know, a very, very poor team. And if you looked a little bit closer, it was clear he had the tools to be an elite defender. And now we see that he is just that in the NBA. So Anthony Edwards, the number one thing that stood out to me um, Per hoopmath.com, uh, Anthony Edwards took only about 27% of his shots at the rim, uh, just under that, and he shot 69% at the rim. So, obviously, 69%, very good mark. He's going against college, you know, rim protectors, not NBA rim protectors. But watch a few Anthony Edwards clips or full games if you have the time. And it's very easy to imagine him being a, dev- a devastating finisher, excuse me, at the basket in the NBA. And the thing that stands out to me is he did not have defensive stats by any means that blew anyone away. In fact, he, you know, similar to someone like Zach Levine, especially when he was younger, has a lot of defensive lapses off ball. Um, But that being said, he averaged 1.3 steals per game and uh, 0.6 blocks. So just over half a block per game. He was extremely active uh, trying to block shots or at least deter people at the basket for a player who's going to be primarily a two guard at the pro level. So basically what I'm trying to say is despite Edwards reputation as a high volume score, uh, similar to that of Zach Levine, I think what separates Anthony Edwards from a player like Levine is the fact that he is a lot more built uh, and compact Mm -hmm. physically coming out of college, you know, where Levine was this, you know, skinny pogo stick athlete. Anthony Mm -hmm. Edwards is physical and with a great coach like Billy Donovan, I think he could actually become an impact defender And if you can turn Anthony Edwards into a plus defender, I think you might have the steal of the draft because there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be able to get buckets at the NBA level. But if he's a one-dimensional player, you know, you have yourself two Zach Levines, and that's not really going to help you much uh, in terms of the framework of the rest of the team. But if you can get Edwards, who's, again, six foot five, 225 pounds, physical specimen, if you can get him to buy in on the defensive end of the floor – Um, I think it really doesn't matter what your guard rotation is because you're just going to have so much talent out there at all times. Well, and the the other thing too is you – look, this is a positionless NBA, right? Like you could get away with even probably rolling out with three guards if you wanted to at one point in the lineup, but it also gives you a lot of options if you want to do some wheeling and dealing 
before the season or even in the middle of the season at the deadline if you want to maybe get some draft capital down the road or, or take on a veteran that might fit your situation a little bit better. It gives you more options if you take the best player available, right? Like that's what good front offices do. Yeah, and what I want to say really quickly, because, again, I know there's a huge section of Bulls fans who, again, will just say, no, no matter what, Anthony Edwards is a high-volume, inefficient scoring guard, which to some extent is very true. Um, There's no reason for the Bulls to take him. That's not a steal. But if we're basing this draft, which is a weak class, um, just off of talent and the ability to, you know, really go off and be a high upside player or a superstar one day. I think LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards are two of the most obvious candidates just because of their style of play and how they looked when they were effective and playing at their best. Um, So what I just want to say here is if Anthony Edwards uh, was to get drafted to the Bulls, the way Bulls fans have to look at it as, sure, they could take a player like Denny Avija over Anthony Edwards at four, who Denny's probably, you know, a little bit more stable. You know, he's going to fit in and be a playmaking small forward who maybe knocks down a few shots, but mostly just plays good defense and keeps the ball moving, which is nice. But Anthony Edwards has the potential to be a player who could, you know, become the star of the Bulls. Maybe he's better than Zach Levine. Maybe now you have a difference maker and Zach Levine is the second best player on the team which I think Zach Levine would be one of the better second best players, you know, uh, obviously in the East, that's going to look a lot different, different next season. So I just think Bulls fans have to recognize that they want to go for a home one home run swing. Excuse me. Um, You want to go for a high upside prospect in a draft like this, where, you know, it's kind of flat overall and GMs are looking down the line already. So I just want to be clear. My ideal situation would be Minnesota takes Anthony Edwards, number one, then you have the same situation and the Bulls could get LaMelo at four. Uh, But if you have a situation where Anthony Edwards um, is at number four, I think you have to take him. And the same with a player like James Wiseman, who I don't like as much as a lot of prospects, but I think he's so highly rated that, again, the Bulls could take him and figure it out later, uh, whether you want to trade him or try to figure out, you know, how he fits into a rotation. So um, overall, I'm very optimistic just because I think with Karnaschovas and Billy Donovan having a clear plan uh, that the Bulls are going to be sitting pretty no matter how things shake out. Um, but it is going to be nerve wracking to see how those first three picks play out for sure. Yeah. And that's why I did. I added the qualifier before you hopped on, Michael, that this is being recorded on Monday night and a lot of things could change. We don't know. There could be some wheeling and dealing within that top three. Veterans could be on the move and it could change a lot of what happens in this draft. I do want to get to one thing, though. If Anthony Edwards is taken within that top three. So it is that LaMelo, Edwards, Wiseman shakeup somewhere in the, in the top three. Who are some names that you could see the Bulls taking there at number four? Right? You've brought up you know Denny Abdia, but I know there's other names like Halliburton Hayes. Who are some guys that you really like there at number four? Yeah, if the top three goes uh, like people expect and like most of the mainstream media sites expect, which is like you said, LaMelo, uh, James Wiseman and Anthony Edwards in some order, not even mattering, you know, just those three players are likely to go top three. Um, I think for the Bulls, you're obviously looking at, as you said, Denny Avisha is a strong candidate. Um, I personally don't think Obi Toppin, he's a great prospect and a player I like a lot. I don't think he's going to be on their list uh, just for some obvious logjam reasons at the position. Uh, so at number four, I think the Bulls will be looking at Denny Avija, Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State, um, Isaac Okoro, small forward from Auburn, um, potentially uh, Ayeka Okongwu from USC, a lot less likely. 
Um, but a name I definitely think is going to be strong is Killian Hayes. So if that top three goes Ball, Wiseman, Edwards, I think the Bulls are looking at Avija, Killian Hayes, or Tyrese Halliburton. But I think Isaac Okoro should be in there as well. So I remember when I had you on uh, the night of the lottery, we talked a lot about Killian Hayes. And I'm a huge fan of him just because of the body type and the potential upside. Like, I'm kind of falling in love with with Killian Hayes there at number four. I wouldn't be upset with Tyrese Halliburton, though. He's also a pretty good playmaking point guard. Yeah, what, what the, the difference for me, what separates it, uh, is just a few, uh, few key factors. So Tyrese Halliburton is a player I have rated very highly. I like him a lot. Um, the, the, you know, the age when you're talking about splitting hairs, you know, a year or so, I try not to value it too, too much because, you know, if a player is good, he's good no matter how old he is. But he is 20 years old, uh, closer to 21 years old. He was a sophomore this past season, whereas Killian Hayes is 19 years old. And, you know, he is a true 19 years old. Um, they both have similar size. Halliburton, six foot five. Killian Hayes is also six foot five, but has a bit more of a filled out frame, despite the fact that he's younger. So I think Killian Hayes is stronger than Halliburton. And while Halliburton is an awesome playmaker, I think Killian Hayes is just as good, if not better, of a playmaker, despite being younger. So I think the key thing that you're looking at. Because, again, because of their size, I think both of them are going to be pretty good defensively as you're looking at that shooting. And this is where I think scouting uh, becomes such a tough job. And I have so much respect for these guys uh, and, you know, (laughs) for these guys and gals. Um, Tyrese Halliburton was, I believe, a 40 percent three point shooter in his last season. But when you watch his shot, he has somewhat of an awkward form, a little bit of an hitch. Uh, not anything that I don't think is going to be a major issue. I still think he'll be a great shooter at the NBA level because, again, the guy shot 41% from three last season, taking almost six a game. So he's a legit shooter, but it's an awkward form that could take, you know, a split second too long to get off in certain situations against certain defenders. Um, Now, Killian Hayes isn't the same level of shooter as Halliburton. He shot 29% from three. Uh, overall last season but he had stretches where he was pretty good um and my scouting work I did him did on uh Killian Hayes you could see uh clearly I believe there was a 10 game stretch in the Euro Cup where he was shooting around 35 percent uh from the three-point line so it's clear in certain situations that Killian Hayes can knock down the three and if you watch him play you can see he even has a very effective step back three-point shot that he's going to work on a lot so just because he's a full year younger I think you take Killian Hayes with the idea that while Halliburton may clearly be a better player now, Killian Hayes will definitely be better than Halliburton in a season or two. Um, And at least, again, we never know. But with Billy Donovan's coaching, that's the way I would see it. So if you're really talking about all the point guard prospects are going to develop well under Billy Donovan, then I think you want to look for youth and you want to look for size and you want to look for playmaking. And Killian Hayes really, I think, is the best mixture of, of all three of those skills. I'm going to give you the three forwards that we keep hearing about, and you tell me which one you prefer the most. Denny Avdia, Obi Toppin, or Isaac Okoro there at number four? Um, so I think I would stray maybe a little bit from the from the mainstream on this one, and I'm not sure just from most of what I've seen, I haven't seen Okoro mentioned too much as a top five uh, prospect. He does get lots of mentions within the top 10, so it wouldn't be anything in terms of a crazy reach. Um, and really in this draft class, nothing is a reach, but without a doubt uh, of those three players you named, I would go Isaac Okoro. And it goes really for me as simply as this. 
if we're just trying to project, you know, what these players could help the Bulls with, Denny's a very good all-around player, um, and I think he'll provide a lot. Isaac Okoro can very clearly guard two to three positions in the NBA right now. Um, and a lot of people, you know, that's not exciting because he put up 12 points a game. Uh, he wasn't a very good three-point shooter, wasn't a very good free-throw shooter. He was a guy who knew his role, and he played it, though. Um, you know, he was almost like, you know, imagine if P.J. Tucker take away the three-point shot and then give him the ability to be a devastating rim wrecker uh, when he's attacking the rim uh, and pick and rolls and off the dribble. So Isaac Okoro focused on attacking the basket and, you know, guarding everyone that he could. And he did a great job of that. And because of that, Auburn was able to be one of the best defensive teams in the country. And not surprisingly, they were able to be one of the best offensive teams in the country because, again, even though he was a poor three-point shooter, he knew not to force his shot. I think he understands at a very young age how to sort of work within the framework of different offenses and different styles of teams. Um, so, again, if he was ever to develop into a great three-point shooter, boom, you have a player who's easily one of the best in the draft. But just because I'm being realistic and I think it's we're a little far off from him being a threat from the three-point line, I think right now he has immense value to the Bulls just because he can guard the primary scoring options on other teams. Uh, and while he may not lock them down, obviously the guy still will be a rookie. I think he gives you a better guard or a better chance guarding some of the elite small forwards than almost any player on the Bulls roster right now, I suppose not named Otto Porter. Um, so I like Denny Avisha because he's a great playmaker and again has like a really good feel for the game and is a great team defender. But Isaac Okoro is without a doubt the better one-on-one -on -one defender. And he's also a great team defender in his own right. So I think he provides you a little bit more upside because, again, he's one of those classic if-he-ever-could-shoot-the-three-well type players. But at the same time, if he doesn't develop that three-point shot, he's still going to hold immense value. And just really quickly, if people didn't see Okoro much, um, he was all SEC, SEC all defense, SEC all freshman. And on top of everything else, I believe he had about a steal a game, a block a game, and he got to the free throw line five times a game. So I mentioned that he wasn't a very good free throw shooter. He'll have to clean that up. Uh, again, he shot 67% from the free throw line, but his free throw attempt rate was 55.1%. So if you have a guy who's getting to the line that often, you know, obviously, obviously he needs to get better at knocking down the free throws. But just the fact that he can help the Bulls get into the bonus, get to the line a lot more, um, that would help the team become a lot better on offense. And I think, you know, a lot of people forget the importance of getting to the free throw line just because we're in such a shooting, you know, three point shooting heavy league now. But uh, the Bulls would definitely need someone who can help them get to the line a little bit more. And Isaac Okora, I think, provides you a good free throw rate on offense and a guy who can guard two to three positions right now from day one. With Avdia and Obi Toppin, do you think they're getting maybe a little too much love from Bulls fans, or do you think they they do provide some type of of need on this roster? Okay, so um, if you want me to be honest, it's just for me a personal preference thing, but I don't think uh, they're getting too much love from Bulls fans. I think they're getting the appropriate amount of love. Um, you know, I guess I'd backtrack a little bit to say maybe Obi Toppin is getting a tad bit too much love. And that for me comes from, I have Obi Toppin clearly ranked as a top 10 player, one of the best players in this class. Um, he's going to be great in the NBA from day one. For my money, I would say he's probably uh, going to have the best rookie year in terms of being a day one contributor, even if he's not in the rookie of the year race, uh, if that makes sense. But 
Obi Toppin, the issue is just as far as the Bulls go, there's no fit for him. You know, I just really don't understand what it would be sort of getting at unless you're for sure trading one of Lowry Markinen or Wendell Carter, just because Obi Toppin is a power forward. You know, he's not a small forward. And, you know, defensively, he he is not amazing. So he definitely wouldn't be able to play a lot of center because if he played center with the Bulls, it'd be pretty much the same as playing Markinen at center. And we saw how poorly that worked out for the most part. So Obi's going to be a great scorer and rebounder. And I think he's going to have a lot of value to a team, though he may be a liability at times on defense, especially in the pick and roll. But in Chicago, you know, you you could say, all right, well, Larry and Wendell can still start and we'll slide in Obi as the sixth man. But what about Thaddeus Young? Um, Thaddeus Young is an excellent veteran whose main issue last season was not playing enough minutes uh, under Jim Boylan. So obviously, if Thaddeus Young's traded, as you said before the draft, Matt, you know, this could change the variable. We don't know how things might go. But assuming that the Bulls roster right now is how it's going to be, minus Chris Dunn, obviously, uh, who as of today seems like obviously he's not going to be on the team. I think, uh, you know, it it would just make sense to stay away from Obi Toppin because it's just too much of a log jam and there's nowhere to really play him. Uh, Denny, I think, is getting the right amount of love and still maybe too underrated because I had Denny at 13 on my big board. And obviously with a lot of European prospects, you know, I may only be able to see a full game or two. And then I'm just pouring through stats for hours, watching as much film as I can. Uh, But from what I saw of Denny, he was a very good player. And I think he, no matter what, is going to be, again, a very solid NBA player. But I couldn't see him being anything more than like a top end role player in my head when I try to project what's the best case scenario for Denny Avija. Um, But I would like him more for the Bulls than Obi Toppin for the simple reason of fit. Um, While Obi may be more exciting and, you know, Denny, I still have to learn a little bit more uh, about what really makes him such an intriguing prospect, despite his, you know, besides his feel for the game. I think Denny would clearly have a role on the Bulls because he can play some three, even if he is more of a four. And the Bulls have the roster versatility, I think, now to to figure it out. And we still are going to probably see the Bulls sign a veteran or two. So I I just think Denny deserves all the love because he would fit in. You play him behind Otto Porter and, you know, it makes sense to me. But Obi Toppin, I love him as much as anyone has, in my opinion, the best name in the draft. But just as far as on the Bulls, I just don't really, you know, see where he would fit in. So that's why I, I wouldn't have him anywhere sort of on my radar as, as a Bulls fan. So I'm going to do some rapid fire questions with you. You ready? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Which is more likely in your mind? Do you think that the Bulls are going to be training into the top two or moving down with a team like New York or Boston who has multiple picks? And I guess with New York or Boston – you know, that kind of fits what you were saying about maybe Isaac Okoro or we've heard a sleeper like uh, Kira Lewis, the point guard from Alabama. So which do you think is more likely? Um, so my just like I know this is like almost cheating a third out of nowhere option. I do think the Bulls are going to stay at four. But just to answer answer your question, um, I definitely think it's 100 percent more likely that the Bulls would trade down. Um and it's really not just about the fact that Karna Chovas is known for, you know, his ability to trade down and fight a gym. It's just the fact that if no one the Bulls wants is available at four, and uh, as you mentioned, the team I've been eyeing also is Boston. Uh, Boston has the 14th pick and the 26th pick along with the 30th in the first round. So just hypothetically, you know, regardless of the package, 
Um, I would just say I don't think the Bulls are going to give up either Wendell Carter or Markinen. And I think Wendell Carter or Markinen is going to be the price of what it takes to move up in this draft uh, from four into the top three. And, you know, I get it. Top three draft picks are valuable. If I was one of those other franchises, I also would say, if you don't give me Lowry or Wendell, this conversation is over. But at the same time, Cardinal Chauvis is a very smart front office person, and I don't think he's going to give up either of the team's two front court building blocks before he gets to really see them. So that's why I don't see the Bulls trading up. I see them trading down because, you know, there's someone the team really likes at four. Uh, again, let's say the Bulls trade with Boston and get the 14th pick. And then the 26th pick, the Bulls could get, as you said, Lewis uh, from Alabama at 14, who for my money is a little bit too similar to Kobe White, uh, but he is lightning fast, great scorer, great three-point shooter, who maybe is a little bit better of a passer than Kobe was uh, last season. Tyrese Maxey is a player I'm extremely high on out of Kentucky. I believe we've talked about him before, but again, I have Tyrese Maxey at three on my board. So like I'm way over you know, the moon with his value relative to where I know he's going to be drafted. So if you could trade down and get a guy like Tyrese Maxey at 14 or even Cole Anthony out of North Carolina, who was a really big name before he had sort of a lackluster season uh, with that later pick at 26, then you could get into the realm of getting some interesting players. Like uh, I'm not even going to butcher his first name, but Pokashevsky uh, is a name that's been trending a lot on draft Twitter. Uh, again, I don't know a ton about him, but a good friend sent me, a full game of his and I watched and it was honestly, it felt like the first time you saw Giannis, you know, it's like, I'm not really sure if this is real competition. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but this kid is seven feet tall, 200 pounds soaking wet. Um, he's only 18 years old and he can dribble pass and shoot. And the way they played him on offense um, overseas in Greece, he literally starts out on the wing like a two guard. So if I was the Bulls, I definitely see it more likely that they would trade down than trade up because you can just get a few interesting pieces who would be comfortable for sure coming off the bench. For the second round, um, this was a, a territory where Garpax usually would just throw these picks away in, in random trades. Um, <laughs> oh, don't I know it. <laughs> or for cash considerations. But now this is you have a front office that likes to go deep in the draft. As we know, Arturis Karnaschovas, his prized possession, his prized, you know, player that he scouted in the second round for Denver was Nikola Jokic, a perennial MVP candidate nowadays. Um, who are some second round names maybe that are out there that you could see maybe the, the Bulls going after? I threw this question out to you ahead of time. If you got just some random names, throw them out and no, nobody's going to probably remember it until they, they pan out. Yeah, that's no problem. You know, you know, we could do a full hour on this if you want it. Cause you know, yeah. I love some second round prospects, uh, but just some names really quickly. I think the bulls are going to be looking at, they have the 44th pick uh, in the second round uh, via Memphis. Um, if they don't get the point guard, they want early on Nico Mannion out of Arizona is a oh, very I'm good passer um, who could be a the shooter. I have no clue. Yeah, I have no clue if he'd be available that late, but that's a uh, player to keep an eye on. Cassius Stanley out of Duke, absolutely unbelievable athlete who can guard a little bit. The three-point shot maybe could come along one day. Paul Reed out of DePaul, just because I got to give the local guys some love. Um, he was an absolute monster. Yeah, he was a monster on defense, I believe, per 36 minutes. Uh, he was given DePaul, like, two and a half blocks along with like 2.1 steals. So 
He's a monster on defense. It would be able to add some versatility to the Bulls. And then the last guy I want to mention, um, actually last two, just because I want to be quick, Killian Tilly, uh, senior power forward center out of Gonzaga. Awesome player uh, from France who basically has just been efficient his whole career as a 40% three-point shooter offense. And then the last guy I see with, I want the Bulls to take him in the second round. Jay Scrub uh, played junior college basketball at John A. Logan College, um, which is actually, I believe, uh, far out in Illinois. But Jay Scrub, basically, he committed to Louisville this year, but then decided to forego um, transferring from JUCO to Louisville to go straight to the NBA draft. Basically, uh, his last two seasons, again, I know it's junior college basketball, but he put up 19 points a game his first season, 21 points a game his second season, got a decent amount of steals or steals and blocks, um, averaged over seven rebounds a game for his career. And again, this is a six foot six shooting guard. Um, the main draw is he is an explosive finisher at the rim and he shot 39% over two years um, from the three point line, including a year in which he shot 46% from the three point line, taking four threes a game. So Jay Scrub is the type of guy where if he went to college next year, played his full season at Louisville, he may be a lottery pick. But the fact that he's a guy who played two years of junior college, had some difficulties, you know, and then ended up balling out over two years of JUCO, he's on a lot of NBA scouts radar. But because, again, you only have that JUCO background, he's going to go late. But a team that has really scouted him and knows how talented he is, uh, despite the fact that he didn't play, you know, for a powerful D1 school, he's going to end up being taken, I think, somewhere late uh, in the first or early in the second, because I think a team is going to convince themselves to take a chance on him. Um, he's not going to be the next Scotty Pippen. It has nothing to do with Scotty, but I just wanted to mention that similar to Scotty Pippen, uh, you know, his backstory or even Sean Kemp, you know, guys who played at junior colleges or smaller schools. And then it just turned out, you know, they were NBA prospects. You just have to look everywhere in the country for, for top talent. So Jay Scrub is a name I really want Bulls fans to do a little research on. Well, this is definitely the type of draft where you never know. That could be the, the player that ends up being the gem of the draft because this is a, like you said, it's not a star-studded draft by any means. So ultimately, when it's all said and done, who do you think the Bulls will take with the number four pick if everything holds to form? So if everything happening um, on draft night on Wednesday is I see, you know, LaMelo being on the Bulls board is number one, no doubt. But I think LaMelo will be gone. I think Anthony Edwards will be gone, um, and I think James Wiseman will be gone. So those top three big names, uh, regardless of the teams, will be off the board. And I think at number four, uh, I think the Bulls are going to take Killian Hayes. And I think it comes down to, um, obviously, I don't know what Karnaschovas and the Bulls, what their big board in-house looks like, but I would imagine, obviously, there's a lot of guards at the top, and they may like a player like Tyrese Halliburton or a player – uh, you know, like R.J. Hampton, a point guard we didn't mention. They may like those point guards almost just as much as Killian Hayes. Uh, but because you're almost splitting hairs in this draft class, I think rather than, you know, trading down to try to get Hayes, which is very much possible because it's always great to pick up an asset and still get the guy you want. I think Karnaschovas is going to, you know, stick with the Bulls plan, which is to get a point guard at four. Um, no matter what, you know, whoever's the best point guard prospect available. And I think at number four, Killian Hayes is 
obviously going to be the best uh, prospect at the point guard position. So I think the Bulls take Killian Hayes. But I do think they think a very long time about taking uh, Tyrese Halliburton or Denny Avija. But ultimately, I think they take Killian Hayes at number four because you can bring him off the bench, uh, bring him along slowly, groom him behind uh, whoever you start at point guard and Kobe White. And then also something I've been thinking a lot thinking about a lot today i think maxi or excuse me i think uh killian hayes is the pick because at six foot five he can actually play a lot with kobe white and you have still a decently sized backcourt because of course kobe is also uh you know six four six five so i think you could play kobe white a lot with killian hayes because hayes is a great playmaker so even if his shooting takes a bit to catch up you have kobe white for that and so i, I think hayes is going to be the pick Oh, it's certainly going to be interesting given that the front office is operating in radio silence, which is a good thing. So, Michael, thanks so much, as always, for hopping on and, and giving us your insight and expertise. We'll definitely have you on again in the near future. Awesome, awesome. I really appreciate it, Matt. Um, I definitely just want to encourage people to follow me on Twitter at ZenMasterMike. Uh, follow Bulls Confidential on Twitter and also go to Bulls conf.com and search bulls confidential because we have some great stories up there now uh, from our team so i just want to give a big shout out to all the people at bulls confidential and then also again matt thanks for having me on uh, the podcast i always have a great time and i'm excited man things are looking up for the bulls absolutely and i do encourage people definitely follow mike at zen master mike because you're going to want to get all of these tidbits as the draft is going on so definitely follow him in fact, I order you, damn it, follow Mike right now. Please do. I mean, on, on draft night, for sure, we are going to have a lot of fun because I'm going to be on pins and needles on draft night. <laughs> I think most, most Bulls fans are. Mike, take it easy. And again, we'll definitely have you on in the near future. Thanks. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Matt. Had a blast. Thank you for listening to the Reveal the Bull podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.